open up to Luke chapter 5. We've been doing a pretty long series, I actually forget how many parts, on the ministry of the Word. The ministry of the Word. And we're going to continue that, and I believe we're going to finish it next week. But if you would turn to Luke chapter 5, you know, God has given us His Word for a reason. He's given us His Word for a reason. And it's such a blessing. The more we know the Bible, and the more we know the Lord, the more we are thankful for the Word of God. What an extreme blessing it is to our lives. There's not a, another substitute that would work in place of that. He's given us the Bible. He's given us, thus saith the Lord. And I want you, if you'll look in your, your Bibles at Luke chapter 5, we're going to read a pretty good passage to start here this morning, the beginning of the chapter. A familiar story to you. It says, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of their, the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out to the deep and let down your nets for a, a draught. That means like for a haul or for a catch. Okay? This is the key to me to this whole, for our intents and purposes today, this next verse is the key to the whole message. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this, had this done, they enclosed, closed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with them. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. In this, in this account, and I always say these are not stories, these are accounts, because they really happen. This actually happened with the, the Lord. The Lord is always desiring and always working to reveal Himself to men who He is, that He's God in the flesh, that He's the Savior of the world, and to bring us from where we are in our faith in Him to a to deeper place of faith. He's always working in that. This sermon this morning, our getting together, the baptism service tonight, the Lord's working it all together to make us more like Jesus and to grow us in Him, to reveal Himself to us more. And He reveals something to Peter at this time. Okay, to all of them, but specifically was dealing with Peter. And to me, when I read this, when, when these men had been fishing all night, we know the story. They're professional fishermen. That's what they did. They knew how to fish. And I'm not talking about throwing you know, a, a spinnerbait out there and trying to catch something like I would do. They did it for a living. They cast nets out, try to get as many fish as they could. And they knew how to do it. And they knew what they were doing. Four partners on two boats. And they worked together. And they had fished all night and caught nothing. Now they're cleaning their nets, getting ready. They're tired. They want to go home. Just wasn't a good night. Okay, we'll try it again next time. And so, 
the Lord is, is preaching. And, he's, and there's so many people. He says he gets on one of the ships and they scoot it out a little bit from the shore and he's preaching to people from a ship. And then he turns to Peter and says, Peter, I want you to go out into the deep on this ship and I want you to let down your net for a haul. Alright? And Peter says in verse 5, just look at Simon answering, said unto him, Master, he does call him Master, amen? We have told all night. These are facts. And have taken nothing. That's another fact. But then something else steps in. And here's where faith comes in. Here's where the Word of God comes in. Here's where thus saith the Lord comes in. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And and y'all, our life is going to be filled with situations like that. Our life is going to be filled daily with little small things, medium-sized things, and huge things. Where God says, do it. And we're going to say, Lord, but but this and but that and but the other. And and, And then we need to surrender. We need to surrender, nevertheless, at Thy Word. At Thy Word. That to me is the key because I've always said there's not a period there. We've told all night and taken nothing. Verse 5, nevertheless. There's a colon there. It's not the total end of the picture. At Your Word, I'm going to do it. And He did. And He obeyed the Lord. Jesus told uh, Mary, said I not unto you if you'd only believe you would see the glory of God. Just roll the stone away, Mary. Just do what I'm telling you to do. I'm not asking you to raise the dead. I'm not asking you to figure it all out. I'm asking you to trust me. Roll the stone away. If we'll believe and have the faith to obey the Lord. Put your net out again, Peter. But Lord, there's nothing. We've tried. We've done all night. We're tired. We're cleaning our nets. Factual. Put a check by. Fact, fact, fact. All those really happened. All those were really the situation. But the Lord changes everything. When the Lord steps onto the scene, He changes everything. When the Lord speaks to us through His Word and says, thus saith the Lord, here's what I want you to do. He's about to do something. I just need to side up with Him. Line up with Him. Be obedient to what the Lord's calling us to do. When the Lord showed up at that funeral service in Nain, there was a widow. And her only son had died. She was left desolate. And the Lord shows up at her funeral and changes everything. He touches the coffin and the dead boy raises up and gives, him, gives the boy back to his mom alive. When Jesus steps into the scene, He's going to change it. God's Word. We're talking about the ministry of God's Word. God's Word is to be believed. We talked about last week. It is to be received as the Word of God. Give it that uh, esteem. Give it that place of authority in your life. God's Word is not somebody else's opinion. God's Word is the Word of Almighty God. Okay, that stands forever settled in heaven. His word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. The words I speak, their spirit and their life. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So when God speaks, we need to listen. We need to receive it as the word of God. We need to believe the God who spoke it and the word that he spoke. And then what we're talking about today, guess what? We need to obey it. That's plain and simple, isn't it? It's very simple, but it's so needed in our lives and so needed in our day. God's Word is to be obeyed. Our God expects men and intends for men to believe Him and to obey and to walk in His way. He expects that. And He also enables us and empowers those that know Him to do so. I'll say this, if a man will not do 
what God has commanded. And when I'm saying what God has commanded, what He's spoken to us through His Word, this is the revealed will of God. So if somebody says nobody ever, God never spoke to me before like He did to Moses at a burning bush, He might not have spoke through a burning bush and He might not have spoken in an audible voice, but He has spoken to you. The Word of God says that the, Bible, the Word is sounding out. It's sounding out. Nothing's going to stop it. Prison walls don't bound, bind it. Paul said the Word of God's not bound even though he was in prison. God's Word's going forth and He does speak to us. This is the revealed will of God. If we never had the personal little things that He does speak to us in our life, and I'm thankful that He does. He guides us. Okay, who to marry and what job to take and how to raise our kids. All the, He gives us the day-by-day little things. But if we never had those and just had this, this is the revealed will of God. This is what we need to follow. And so He intends for men to follow it. If a man will not follow the revealed will of God, it's sin. Let's just call it what it is. I've sinned before. You've sinned before. But if we won't follow God's will and do what the Lord says, we're not going to obey what He says, that man is in sin. It is a sin to him. And that man or woman, whoever it is, and it could be me, it could be you, it could be anybody, is not going to be benefited or profited by the Word of God. Just look back at our account that we read. What if Peter had said, Lord, I'm sorry. I love you. I trust you. I believe you're my master. I still believe in you, but I'm tired. I'm just not going to do it today. I'm not going to go out in the deep. I'm not going to let my, my nets again. What would have happened? You see what I'm saying? Not only the multitude of fish was pro- probably never in their lives that they had it. I think it's safe to say had a catch that was sinking their boats. And they had to call other partners over and, and load their boat as well. And their nets were break, breaking. So I would think besides that, Peter got it though. Hallelujah. He fell at Jesus' knees and began to worship Him. Forget the stinky fish. Alright? This God who made all those fish come up into that net, who made the fish, who told me to do it and knew that this was going to be this way. He did it. That's, that's what Peter realized. And that's what we're going to realize as we walk in obedience to the Lord. The man who doesn't obey the Lord, not only is it sin, but he is not going to experience that blessing in his life. doesn't mean you can't repent and get back on track and start obeying the Lord. Praise God we can. I'm simply saying when at any turn in the road where we don't obey the Lord when He has told us what to do, His Word which is revealed to us or something He's spoken to us like He did Peter, it's a sin and we're going to miss out. We're not going to be benefited or profited by that Word. And God wants to benefit us and profit us by His Word. He's not, that man's not going to be walking in the blessed life. Y'all know that there is a blessed life? It can be filled with uh, hardships and, and persecution and everything else. But in Christ, it's a life that's fully devoted, like we sing, where you lead, I'm going to go. That life is a blessed life already. It's blessed if it ends up being beheaded like Paul in prison or being burned at the stake or live into a ripe old age on the island of Patmos like John. It's a blessed life already. Why? Because God has blessed it. Amen. Because that person is walking not perfectly, none of us is perfect, only the Lord is, but he's in perfect surrender to the Lord and perfect acknowledging that God is the authority in my life. His Word is the authority in my life. I know Him. I'm, an, I'm walking with Him. That is a blessed life, okay? And a person that disobeys the Lord is going to be stumbling 
uh, stubbing their, their toes, so to speak, and missing out on so many things that God has for us. You know, if you ever people uh, heard people say that, uh, you know, I wouldn't do anything any differently if I could go back and do my life over. They might say that and it may be true for their life. Personally, I would do a lot of things differently. Because for a majority of my younger days, and, and you know, when you start getting on your own two feet like high school and college, I did not live for Jesus Christ. I wish I could do that over. Now, I don't, and I don't dwell on it. I'm simply saying, people say I got no regrets. I got a lot of regrets. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I didn't witness to one person for a majority of, of my life. In college and high school, I never told one person about Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't have, I, I got a lot of regrets. It's me. Now the Lord's patient and the Lord's kind, and the Lord has brought me now to where He wants me to be in Him, and He's bringing me on to where I need to be in Him. But I missed out by not obeying the Lord. It's nobody's fault but my fault. I knew what to do, and I didn't. I chose not to do it. Okay, it's rebellion, and so that's how I walked uh, for a lot of time, even as a Christian, for about five or six years. I walked that way, but. This blessed life is for all of those who by faith come to Christ as Savior and by faith come to Christ as Lord. And they're one and the same. Savior and Lord. And I remember uh, y'all might have listened to, uh, I'm sure you have, most of you, listened to Bert, uh, Brother Clendenin's sermon on, called Soldiers. Okay? Very famous, uh, famous to, uh, to me anyway. And uh, listened to it many times. But he says at the beginning of that, you know, he shares his military when he was lost in the Marine Corps, fighting in Guadalcanal in World War II, and, uh, you know, boot camp and all that kind of stuff. And he talks about, he said, this is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. You know, the Lord is the Lord. And we're not, he said, I never once had a drill sergeant come to me and say, would you like to go on a hike this morning? <laughs> I love that. He's just funny and he doesn't even try to be. But you know, honestly, there, he, boys, would you all like to go on a little hike this morning? He said, never once had that happen. They're telling them what to do. Right, Buck? I mean, they tell you what to do. And so, uh, the Lord, but that life is going to be the blessed life. Because we don't have some foul mouth drill instructor. You know, but the analogy is good in the sense that they're preparing you for battle. They're doing their job to get a soldier ready. But we're part of, of God's army and we're part of His... Uh, we're servants of the Lord, servants of the Most High God. That blessed life is going to be the life where He reigns. If He is your Savior, let Him be your Lord. And let Him reign. If He reigns in your, my life, then let Him reign supreme. Let Him reign over all and let Him be your all in all. I love this Scripture. And you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 6, if you're taking notes, verse 46 where Jesus said, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It's like He just stops them in the middle of all their gibberish, talking back and forth and questioning and asking. He just time out. And why do you call me Lord, Lord? They couldn't run up. Everybody come running up to him. Lord, Lord, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Lord, Lord, what about this? Lord, my brother offended me. What should I do? Everybody came running up to Him. And He says, wait, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I tell you to do? It's just like, hits you in the face. You need to stop and think about it. I need to stop and think about it. God's Word is to be obeyed. God's Word is to be obeyed. What good in the world is God's Word going to do a man that doesn't obey? It'll do no good for that person. And so, 
Jesus is your Lord, let Him be your Lord. And by the power of the Holy Ghost who now lives in the believer, Christians are to obey God. He doesn't simply say, now get out there, kids, to His children and obey Me. He says, lo, I'm with you always. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? We go over this all the time. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nonetheless, He says, go. I'm with you. Go and obey. Go and walk in obedience. He said in the Great Commission, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you. That's what we're to go and do and to be and command others to do as well. I'm just going to read this from Colossians. Whereunto I also labor, striving. So there's a striving in Paul's walk. Colossians 1.29. According to the working which worketh in me mightily. So Paul's striving mightily. He's really striving and working hard with the call of God upon his life. But he does it according to that the power that works mightily in him which is the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a balance there. There's a, I guess there's a proper understanding there that we don't, we're not Christians on our own and say, I've got this God. And we also at the same time don't just sit on our rear ends and say, do everything for me, God. Is He going to get up and go to church for you? Or do you have to set your alarm clock and wake up and go? He's given you the ability to do these things. He's given you the power to do that. He's given you the faith to get up and go and say, I'm tired, but I know when I get to the house of God, I'm going to be rewarded. There's going to be a blessing to my life from coming. Now I'm going to go to Sunday school too. But y'all, it's not a service to the Lord. And we're talking about obedience. That almost sounds like a curse word in our day when you start talking about obedience. You know what I mean? It's like people don't want to talk about that, especially in the church. Uh, it's not. Obedience to the Word of God and the will of God is not misery. And it's not drudgery. It's not grin and bear it. Now I know that at times it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to do what God has called you to do. It can be very hard. In fact, some of the hardest things you've ever done will be doing what God's called you to do. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm saying it's not miserable, drudgery, just, oh, grin and bear it. I have to obey God. It's not that. Okay? And the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Okay? This is the kingdom of God. This is what it's like to walk with Jesus. Now, I'll say this. You might, and I'm not saying you specifically, one might make it drudgery in their lives. In other words, they might make obedience to the Lord a miserable thing in their own walk. They might look at it that way. They might choose for it to be that way. But I don't. Okay? I don't. I don't. It doesn't have to be that way. Okay, some kind of just joyless duty to, to God. I've got to go obey the Lord today. It's not what it's like. It's, that's not your experience. That's not the life that God has promised in His Word, is it? That's not. That's not what He's promised in His Word. That's not the, the life that He's promised to those that know Him and walk with Him. He said this is a blessed life. He says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, it can be very hard at times. But don't let it become just sheer treasury to you. Checking off, I had God told me to do ten things today. I did all ten. Hope he's happy. You know what I mean? Not like that. Like it's miserable. Now I got a little me time over here or something like that. It's, it's, this is not the life that's described in the Bible. We need to know the Word of God. There's a blessed life that comes in obedience to the Lord. And so when I read about Enoch who walked with God and God translated him, 
And I read about David who said, your, your loving kindness is better than life, right? And yet he loved the law of the Lord and wanted to walk in His ways. And I read about Moses who said, show me your grace. If I've found grace in your sight, show me yourself and your glory. And I read about Samuel who let none of his words fall to the ground. And I read about John who always was the one closest to Jesus, pressing in, had his head on his bosom. This is not drudgery and misery to them to obey the Lord. They loved Him. They wanted to walk with Him and be with Him. I read about Amy Carmichael. And I read about Hudson Taylor and, and Judson and Jim Elliott. And I read about these people. And, and I want to experience that more and more in my own life. Don't let it become drudgery to you. Obedience is not a curse word. Obedience is, a blessed, is the life that's going to be blessed by the Lord. And that's the one He wants us to walk in. Amen. First, obedience to, to receive Him as Savior. To believe on Him and give your life to Christ. To be born again. But second of all, for those that are saved, to walk in obedience to thus saith the Lord. And not be afraid of that. And not shy away from it. I think in, in our day and age, y'all, there, there's so many people that literally are afraid. And I would say don't be afraid to walk in obedience to the Lord. That's the best place you can be. Don't walk in obedience to men or anything else or what your little core group thinks or anything like that. Walk in obedience to the Lord. Don't hesitate to surrender all to Him. Don't be scared to yield your all to the Lord. Don't be afraid that if I walk in complete obedience to God, it's going to be miserable. You know the devil told me that lie when I was in college. Even when I had given up many things, you know, as a, as a believer, when I was in my fraternity at LSU and I had my group of friends that I had since seventh grade, through middle school, through high school, through four years of college, same core group of guys, and the devil told me if I really surrendered all to God and obeyed the Lord totally, I was going to be one lonely, miserable, unhappy camper. You won't have a friend in the world to see all these guys that your brothers around you that you think you're so close to and you do anything for and they do anything for you. And the devil says, as soon as you stand up for Jesus, you're not going to have a friend in the world. And you know what? There's some truth to that. <laughs> but there's a, there's a lie as well. And, and uh, he's a liar. He's a liar. And so don't be afraid to surrender your all to Jesus. Don't be afraid to say, here's what the Word of God says. Pretty straightforward. I'm not lining up with this. God help me to. I want to walk in obedience. 10%, that seems like a lot of money to give. You know, or, or you couldn't pray an hour. Uh, that seems like a lot of prayer time. I'm not really there yet. And just don't just blow it off. Ask God to strengthen you and help you. Don't be afraid to walk in obedience to the Lord. I think in a lot of Christian circles today, and I think you'd have to agree with me, this is not a condemnation on the whole Christian church, but there are Christians who today are actually, they'll shy away from any mention of like discipline. Right? They don't want to hear about that. Let's say you're in bondage when you start talking to them about discipline. Well, the Bible talks about discipline. Where do you think the word disciple comes from? You know what I'm saying? That we're disciples of Christ. We're to go make disciples of men. And uh, uh, exercise yourself in godliness. Study to show yourself approved. It's only drudgery and misery to do those things if, if you let it be that. If you don't have Christ as the focus of it in your relationship with Him. And there are people that shy away from any mention of obedience. Uh, 
at the first mention of that, you know, they, they want to head the other way. Uh, they, they would say that we're being a, or whoever would say those type of things that we need to obey the Lord, they would start throwing out terms like a legalist, a Pharisee, and so forth. And we, we hear it. And I don't want to be that way. I, somehow they've come to believe that obedience to Christ, obedience to the Word of God that He gave us, and He says my words are spirit in their life. But somehow they've come to believe that obedience to, to Christ is legalism. That it's pharisaical. That it's a dead life. That it's an attempt to please God in your flesh. You're just trying to do it on your own. This is a, a, a deception. This is anti-biblical. It's not what God's Word says. It's the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Is that going to come through my disobedience to God or my obedience to God? You understand what I'm saying? Don't be put in that trap. Don't let be people put a label or something like that and believe it yourself. They've been deceived into believing that their disobedience possibly in their lives and their carelessness and their compromise and their morals and their Christianity somehow is because of their liberty in Christ. That it's just grace on top of grace. You know, this is just liberty, liberty, liberty and freedom. And and yet the true freedom comes in knowing Jesus and walking Amen. with the Lord. This is my freedom Amen. and liberty. I'm not bound in shackles of sin anymore. And I'm not bound in shackles of fear anymore. I have a healthy fear of God. Amen. But every other fear is dispelled from my life. And I'm free to walk in the will of God. And guess, don't you think he knows how to bless his creatures and his creations? And if he said this is the blessed life and the devil says, no, no, you'll be all bound up. You'll be a legalist. You'll be one of those Pharisees and legalists if you do that. I mean, there's literally people that say to obey the New Testament is legalism. That's a lie. God wants, he's given us his word to be obeyed. Amen. Be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. If I just hear it all the time and don't do it, I've deceived myself. I can nod like one of those little bobbin head dolls all day long to every sermon that's preached in every book and not do a thing that's said there. There's no liberty in that. There's no joy, but I'm free. I'm free in grace. I don't have to obey that because I'm free. And the Lord said, no, I want you to obey that. That's where your joy is going to come. That's where you're going to know me more. This is what it's like to walk with Jesus. This is what it's like to walk in victory over sin. This is what it's like. Okay, be a partaker of his divine nature. And so he tells us, gives us his word. It's a blessing. That's real joy. That's real peace that God's given us. Amen. I just want to read this. Uh, this scripture. First Peter two, seven and eight unto you, therefore, which believe he's precious, but unto them which be disobedient. See, it's talking about the disobedience. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. That's 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble, what did they stumble at? At the Word. They stumbled at the Word. When it got to the Lord saying, do this. Christ is this. He's Lord. He's, he's the authority. He's God. And they stumbled at the Word. And they, it says, being disobedient whereunto they were appointed. So he's not precious to them. But to you that believe and walk in the ways of God, 
Certainly there's going to be times we stumble and fall and we sin. And we need God's grace and mercy. That's there for us. An endless provision of the mercy and grace and the blood of Jesus to forgive and restore. That goes without saying, but we say it anyway. Because we're in such need of it. Amen? But that's where the blessed life comes. To have an intimate relationship with our Creator and with our Lord. There are many y'all that profess Jesus as Savior. They profess Jesus, and I did it point in time in my life, so I'm not at all ridiculing. I'm simply saying it's a fact. And they're not walking in obedience to the Lord. But they profess Him as Savior, and they profess Him as Lord, but they don't live a life consistently. And I think to me that's the key word. It's a consistent pattern of life. How are you going to live your life, Clarissa? You can live it any way you want. Clarissa would say, no, I'm going to live for God. Are there times in her day and her week where she doesn't live for God? Are there moments where she sins? Yes, there are. But if you looked at her pattern of her life, she set the Lord before her. She's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of her faith. And she's going to go that way until she dies or the rapture comes. She's not getting off track and going off somewhere else. That's the pattern. That's the consistency of, well, Chris, that's not what God's Word said. You need to do such and such. And she would do such and such. Ask God's help for it. She might struggle for a while. But that's what she would do and what she would want to do. And God would help her to do that. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm talking about being sold out to Christ. And saying, of all the different voices and all the influences and all the authorities, I'm casting them all out. I'm sitting under this one. I'm sitting under thus saith the Lord. And that's the way I'm walking. And that's the way I'm living. I want y'all to read this is a wonderful scripture. Turn with me if you would to Ezekiel 33. You know, God gives us everything. He gives us so many wonderful scriptures uh, from His Word. He just encourages us to instruct us, to speak to us. Look at Ezekiel 33 towards the end of that chapter. You've probably heard this before at some point. But this verse has always stuck out to me. Now this is the man of God. The Lord is speaking to His prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was one of the few. He was God's prophet at that time. Who was living for God in a nation that was not living for God. Just similar to Jeremiah and the other prophets. Alright, look what he says in verse 30. Also, this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. Thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. They're talking against you, Ezekiel. And they speak one to another. Everyone to his brother. Here's what they say. Saying, come, I pray you, and hear what, the, what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee, as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouths they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, and lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. That I just say wow when I read that. Is that not ever the truth? Could have been for my life at some time. Could be for some Christians that, that you know at this time. Or maybe they're not Christians and say they are. Only the Lord knows all that. But you get the picture that it says that uh, the Lord says, Ezekiel, they, they come and they're talking about you, talking against you. And here's what they're saying. Let's go see 
Let's go sit before Ezekiel and hear what is the word of the Lord. And they sit before you like my people do, and they come unto you like my people do. And you are a true prophet, and they're going to hear the words that you say, but they will not do them. Stiff-necked, rebellious, right? They won't do them. Did they benefit from God's Word? No. The truth was spoken to them by a mighty man of God, by the Lord Himself through His prophet. And they came. So this is not the people that picked up stones and wanted to stone Him. These were not what you would call the atheists that wanted to run Him through. These were people that said, they, they, they come and sit before you like my people do. Like Christians. I know this is Old Testament, but you get the point. They come before you like my people. They sit before you. Let's hear what the Word of the Lord is. And they're not going to a false prophet. They're coming to the right man. But as they sit there, He said, they will not do that. But their mouth, they speak of love. But their heart goes after their covetousness. And they, were, they, were, they themselves were a fulfillment of a prophecy. But my point is, what good is the living, eternal, quick, powerful Word of Almighty God if a man is not going to obey that living, quick, powerful Word of God? It's still the Word. It still stands. It still remains. It's still undaunted. It still stands as a rock. But what's it good going to do for my life? How's that going to honor the Lord? You know, sometimes I think people when they're, they're saying um, over and over again about, you know, uh, about grace and, and everything and, and, and using that as a cloak for their sin. Using it for a cloak instead of just coming and being truly coming in grace and being washed and cleansed and enabled by God to live this life, they, they resist it because they think it's going to be such a bondage and such a legalism and so forth. But these people would come and they heard the Word of God, but they did not walk as a pattern in obedience to the Lord. The Lord said that of them. I don't want to be that kind of person. And I'm not saying that we are. I'm simply saying that paints such a picture of where so many people are that claim to know Christ and claim to walk with Christ. But His Word, y'all, if anything, is to be believed and is to be obeyed. Peter had to launch the boat out deeper even though he was tired. Peter had to let the net down, not because he thought it was a good idea, but because of who said it. Nevertheless, at Thy Word. Because You told me to do it. And you're God, and you're omnipotent, and you're omniscient, and you know all things. And you're Alpha and Omega, and I'm not God. I'm a creature created by God who's been saved by your grace and dwelt by your spirit. But you're God, and you're telling me to do it. That's enough reason. Amen. You understand my point? That's enough. That's enough for any of us to walk. And I just believe, like Chris and Jenna were saying, even in Sunday school, that, uh, that we're like primed to, to see much more of the glory of God. I believe we're going to see it in our day. I believe we're going to see the miracles. I believe this right here, me and you are going to be used in these ways. And we're going to surrender to the Lord. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm simply saying there's a walk with God that's a blessed walk. And God chooses the foolish and the simple and the base things of this world to confound the things that are mighty and wise. That means He can use me. He doesn't like to talk in front of people. And He can use Katie in the, in the ER room. And He can use all of us in different places where we are. He wants to do that. There's a life of faith. And there's a life of obedience to Christ. 
God is not going, He might still love the one that's disobedient. He does still love the one who's disobedient. He loved us when we were sinners. He commended His love towards us. Mercy is extended to us. Grace is extended to us nonstop. Okay? But He's not going to bless the life that's disobedient to Him. Amen? We just don't see in the Scriptures. Here's the way. Walk in it. Just, just ask God for help and walk in His way. We're going to be bringing this to a close, but uh, all of us have times in our life, and I was using Clarissa a minute ago for an example. All of us have times in our life where we sin. We did what we wanted instead of what God said in His Word, right? All of us. More times than we care to mention. There's always forgiveness. There's always grace. But that grace is not a cloak for that. That grace is not an excuse for disobedience to the Lord. What shall we say then? Shall, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid that. How are we that are dead to sin to live any longer therein? It's a rhetorical question. We need God's grace every moment. We're not just saved by grace and done with it. We continue the grace of God. But the point is, the pattern of our life is to be one of obedience to the Lord by the strength of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Not on your own efforts, by the indwelling Spirit of God in our lives. Wherefore, I'll just read this from 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. That means my life is not to be like it was before I knew Jesus. It's pretty clear. Don't fashion yourself. That was an ignorant life. You walked in spiritual darkness and ignorance and were dead to me and you were alive unto your sin. Now you ought to be dead to this world and alive unto Christ. Okay? And so as obedient children, walk in obedience. That's not, uh, it's not religious duty, so to speak. It's only if you let it be. It's, it's duty, but it's not mere duty. Does that make sense? It's not, it is our duty to Christ, but it's not merely duty. Because Christ brings the life to it. Christ, because of His love for us and our love for the Savior. Amen? And uh, let's look at John chapter 14. We just have a couple more verses, y'all. We're going to read. When our boys... Uh, you know, bringing up, as all parents in here are bringing up their children the ways of God, we used to teach our boys to uh, memorize scriptures and we would drive to school. When we were bringing them to school, we would work on them. You know, we'd rehearse them on the way to school. I gave us something to do. We'd pray for the day and all that. Even they're little, like kindergarten, first grade. We're, and the first scripture I can remember D and I teaching our boys was John 14, uh, 15, where he says, If you love me, Keep my commandments. One thing, it's a good little short verse, right? For a little kid. It's a good way to start with. But he also says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Period. Isn't that wonderful? And then look down at verse, uh, same chapter. This is what we're going to read. 21 through 24. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Commandments, plural. Okay? He's given us commands. The first and greatest is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. Love our neighbor as ourselves. But there's lots of others that all the others hang on these, but they're there. You understand what I mean? They didn't just go away. Uh, he says, He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. 
So the Lord has given us a litmus test from His viewpoint. Okay? And His viewpoint is the right viewpoint. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And we're not saved by our faithful obedience in every area. We're saved by the grace of God through faith. Okay? We're also saved unto good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Now that I am saved, right? Alright, so keep reading. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come with unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So the Lord gives it as a test of love for him. And a test of blessedness, because the one that obeys the Lord is the one that's going to have the Father come to him, and they're going to manifest themselves to him and make their abode with him and their dwelling place with, with that individual. The Lord helps us to do it. And I'll say it again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Yes, there's labor in our walk with the Lord, and to obey God can be trying. Paul fought a good fight, is how he described it at the end of his life. At the end of his Christian life and the end of his life on earth, right? He described it as fighting a good fight. Fighting is not easy. He ran a race, and he says, I finished my course. That's not easy, right? And so, he, he, but he, there's a, a striving that goes into it, but it's not merely striving uh, with no assistance or help. We strive according to the power of his working in us. It is duty, but it's not mere duty. Amen? There is a wonderful love and relationship with the Lord. Jesus said, it's a, a messianic psalm about Jesus before His first coming. David wrote in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do the, thy will, O my God. I delight to do Your will, O my God. Give the law is within my heart. And doesn't He tell us He's going to write this new, this new covenant? He'll write His laws in our heart and mind. He's done that through, through the new birth through salvation. We don't have to have somebody tell us it's wrong to steal. We don't have to have a commandment that we look up to, oh yeah, that's right, that's, that's, that's wrong to steal. We know it in our hearts. He's written it in our hearts. And the, the Lord Jesus, and as He is, so are we in this world. I know we're not sinless like Him, but still, He says, I delight to do Thy will, oh my God. It ought to be our delight to obey the Word of God. And when it's not, then there's something out of whack in my heart. And it happens, okay? There's something out of whack in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. I need to follow my face before my Savior and say, God, I don't love loving people like You told me to. I don't love loving strangers like You told me to or my enemies. And we fall on our face before God and say, You've got to help me, Lord. You have to work this in me. And He says, I will. He might test us and give us some unlovable people to go love. But we'll find out we step out and we love them sacrificially. He fills us. He fills us with the fresh new filling of His Spirit. And we love them. We go back and we say, wow, yesterday I couldn't have done that. You answered my prayer. But you, guess what you did? You obeyed the Lord. And God strengthened you to obey the Lord. And He changed you where you were, or me, where we were lacking. 
are unchristlike or not measuring up. And we might fall a thousand times. He'll help us get up a thousand and one. He'll help us to keep going. Uh, and He's going to strengthen us to do this. The last scripture I want to read. Turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. You might think it's a strange verse to, to close on. Luke eleven twenty seven. It came to pass, as He spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said, Blessed is the womb which bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. He said, that's a strange word, Scripture to read. But this, she sounded so... It almost sounds, this is so spiritual. Did you hear? She blessed art thou. And the, the womb that gave birth to you and the paps that gave thee suck. And, and, and it, was, it almost sounds spiritual. It almost sounds wonderful. And look, look what the Lord says. But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> that's it. Okay. You know, it sounded really flowery and lofty and all that. But God's word just kind of cuts through it all. No, I'll tell you who's a blessed young lady, or whoever she is, and Randy, who's blessed. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's a blessed person. That's a blessed man. That's a blessed woman. Blessed are the undefiled that walk in the way. The Bible says to start Psalm 119. The Bible says starts the whole Psalms with uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly and so forth. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I know we're not legalists and I know we're not under the old covenant law. I understand that. But still, walking in the word of God, in the ways of God, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord. In His law doth He meditate day and night. He's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth His fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. James says the same thing. He, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being a not for, a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. That's what we're talking about today. D, you can come. We're talking about walking in obedience to the Lord. It's not drudgery. It's not pointless. It's not mindless. We're not a robot saying, I've got 20 commandments I've got to keep today. Oh, good, I got them all done. We're walking in obedience to Christ because there's life there. There's blessedness in that. God has promised the blessings and the blessed life to that man who followed His way. When we don't, it's a sin. Ask God to forgive us of our sin. He's merciful and kind and He forgives us and washes us and He strengthens us and empowers us and He picks us up, dusts us off, and pats us on the behind and He keeps moving us on. That's what He wants us to do. That's a blessed life. Amen? One of the ministries of God's Word, and we're doing our series on this, about to close it next week. One of the ministries of God's Word is to lay out before us the blessed life. That we can see it. We can see it with Enoch. We can see it with David. We can see it with Samuel. We can see it with Moses. We can see it with Abraham. We can see it with Paul who didn't know the Lord and came to know the Lord. We can see it with Stephen who was martyred for his faith. And yet they're all blessed. They're blessed by walking in obedience to the Lord. Everyone I'm a sinner. Everyone in need of the grace of God all through their lives like we are. Saved by the grace of God but also empowered by the grace of God to walk in obedience to the Lord. And so I just want us to stand this morning. If you're, there's some area in your life or you find a place, I know we're cramped. You have this room here. You can come in the kitchen back here. You can find you a place. 
and kneel at your pew and you find a place to surrender, if there's an area maybe during the preaching of this sermon or during the worship time, God showed you, you know what? Uh, Randy, there's an area of your life that's not yielded to me. Or maybe you just have this overwhelming burden. I want to walk in obedience to God greater than I, than I ever have before. Tell Him that. This is where you take what's been preached and you bring it before the Lord personally and now you get it right with the Lord. It may go on for the next 20 years, okay? But today is where you make a decision not just for Christ as Savior, but in, in whatever's being ministered to your life, the Word of God, to surrender to Him. If you're here this morning you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say today, I want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to walk out of here not knowing Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. And I want to become part of the family of God. Then you grab a hold of somebody or come grab me. And anybody in this room can lead you to the Lord. They would love to pray with you. But as William begins to minister, take some time. If you're through praying, whenever that comes, and God puts it on your heart to go lay your hands on someone else and pray for them, and not to disturb them, just put your hands on them and pray for them. And come in agreement. The Lord knows what they need. But Father, we love You today, God. We want to be that blessed man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We want to be that man who walks and looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. This man, you say, is going to be blessed in his deed. Not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word and a doer of the work. Thank you that you promised that blessedness and that you empower us by the gift of the Holy Ghost to do that. We couldn't do it before, but we can do it now. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That means we can obey your work by Christ who strengthens us. Bless your people here this morning. God, we need you. Lord, we're calling upon you. We're, you, you look from heaven and you see a people that are bowing down before you. We're bowing our hearts before you. We're saying, come and reign, Lord. Come and reign in our lives. Pick us up, the weak and pathetic, and take us and make us the men and women of God that you've called us to be. That we'll walk out of this place different than when we came in. And our lives will bring you more glory than we have before God. We love you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.